This is episode number 501 with Jared Lander, Columbia University stats lecturer, organizer of the world's largest R meetup, and CEO of Lander Analytics. Welcome to the Super Data Science Podcast. My name is John Crone, a chief data scientist and best-selling author on deep learning. Each week, we bring you inspiring people and ideas to help you build a successful career in data science. Thanks for being here today. And now let's make the complex simple. Welcome back to the Super Data Science Podcast. We've got a juicy one for you today with Jared Lander. Jared leads the New York Open Statistical Programming Meetup, which is the world's largest R meetup, but it also features other open source programming languages like Python for talks from global leaders in data science and machine learning. Jared also runs the R Conference, which is approaching its seventh annual iteration. He wrote the popular book R for Everyone, He's adjunct professor of stats at Columbia University and visiting lecturer at Princeton University, and none of the massive responsibilities that I've just mentioned are Jared's day job. Nope. For that, he's the CEO and chief data scientist of Lander Analytics, a data science consulting firm. Clearly, Jared has a ton of expertise on stats and machine learning, particularly in the R programming language. In today's episode, we start off by introducing you to his various venues, meetup sessions, conferences, and book for learning about statistical programming. In the second half of the episode, Jared provides an overview of the intellectually satisfying world of data science consulting, and he details both the soft and hard skills that make an outstanding data science consultant. We wrap the episode up by venturing into the age-old R versus Python debate. Today's episode will hold special appeal for those of you interested in R or data science consulting, but should be readily digestible to anyone, whether you're a technical data scientist or more oriented toward commercial applications. You ready? Let's go. Jared Lander, this is awesome. I'm so excited that you're on the podcast. I've wanted to have you on the podcast since the very beginning. I just couldn't get the courage up to ask. <laughs> um, Jared, where in the world are you calling in from? I, I'm very excited to be on this podcast with you. And I've known you for a long time. It's really exciting to be here. And I am right now in this small, semi-rural town outside of Princeton, New Jersey. Uh, we're spending the summer here. And it's a nice little place to be. That sounds nice. And I, I didn't know this about you, but in reviewing your profile for this episode... It looks like you went to Princeton High School, so maybe you even grew up in the area that you're in right now. So I actually went to Princeton Day School, which is like about two miles from Princeton High School. They're right near each other. And while I went to high school in this area, I actually grew up across the river in Bucks County, and I just came across the river each day, sort of like George Washington on a pre-Christmas Eve. That's exactly what you probably look like every single day. Every day. Growing up. Um, so yeah, as you mentioned, we've known each other for a long time, not all the way back to Bucks County, but, uh, many years, something like six years now. And I know you because I was attending your meetup, which we're going to talk about in detail in a second, but it is the world's most popular R meetup. Uh, and it takes place in New York about pre COVID. It was once a month. And I loved going to it. You had you get some of the biggest name data scientists in the world. 
You get to talk to them in person, ask them questions, and the community around it is the best. So uh, I've met so many friends and professional contacts through the meetup over the years. Um, so yeah, so that's how I initially got to know you. And from that seed has sprung many wonderful things in my life. So there was a, a meeting around 2016. Um, so at the beginning of every single meetup, you ask if anybody has any job openings that they're hiring for. And I took that as an opportunity to stand up and speak to the kind of two or 300 people there and say, I'm interested in learning about deep learning. And so I think it would be great to get together as a group and go through material, a particular curriculum that we designed together, meet regularly and go over that curriculum. And as I was speaking, it didn't seem like anyone was even looking at me. And I felt really embarrassed when I sat down. So the entire talk, I just kind of felt like I'd embarrassed myself. But at the end of the talk, um, a dozen people came up to me. I got their email addresses. They had some ideas for material to cover. And that formed the seed of my deep learning study group, which um, we haven't been doing anything in the pandemic, but we've had something like two dozen of these sessions. Um, it, it has grown to about 200 people on the email list. And that was the basis for um, a series of talks that I was giving on deep learning. So through running this deep learning study group, I started to feel like the public might be interested in hearing kind of an intro to deep learning. So I put one together and then you sent an email in something like December 2016 saying that you didn't have a guest for the January 2017 meetup. And so I was like, I mean, I have this deep learning talk that I've given a couple times. So I reached out to you about it. And after a bit of back and forth, you made sure that it was a solid talk that I had great things to, uh, to cover. And then I delivered this talk and it really, it changed my life, Jared. So being able to speak at your open statistical programming meetup, um, it was through that that I met Deborah Williams at Pearson, who invited me to write my book, Deep Learning Illustrated, a bunch of video tutorials on deep learning and now the mathematical foundations of machine learning. And so Jared, I am hugely indebted to you. And uh, as a reward, I'll now let you speak. <laughs> Well, I'm, I'm so glad that the meetup has changed your life in this way. And that's really the purpose of this group, for people to learn, but also to help people and make everyone better. And that's really amazing to hear that. That's exactly what I like to have happen to people at this group. Yeah, it's, uh, it's extraordinary. And so while I've been going there for many years and you've been running it that entire time, I understand that the group has a longer history than that. So it's now called the New York Open Statistical Programming Meetup. Um, but you can even kind of see in the meetup.com URL that it used to be called something called NY Hack R with no E, like hacker, but yep. just hack R. Right, so tell us a bit about that. So it had a name change, some origin story, fill us in. So the data science community loves a good pun, hence NY Hack R. And the meetup group was founded in April 2009 by Josh Reich. Some people might know him as the founder of Simple, the online bank, but I always know him as the guy who founded the R meetup. And within the first few months of the meetup, another person, Drew Conway, got involved and took over as the organizer. And it was uh, under Drew Conway, which a lot of people in the data science know that name. He built it up from enough people to fit in a small room at NYU to 1,800 people over the course wow. of two years. Wow. 
And he really built up this group with consistent meetings and bringing good speakers. And I joined around the third or fourth meetup. It was actually a Bayesian meetup and Andrew Gelman posted on, about it on his blog. And so that day I read about it and I went that night to the, to the meetup group. And at right. that point, they were up at Columbia. Uh, Andrew Gelman let us use what he called the playroom in the SEPA building. And it was just this great room full of people talking about R and stats and being really cool with each other. <laughs> That's and, a really great sentence. Yeah. Uh, playing with R and stats and being really cool. <laughs> yeah. I mean, it's such, it was such a great crew. I remember one time we were all standing around. This is back in Stack Overflow's earlier days. And we're all saying, oh, yeah, it's such a helpful group on Stack Overflow. It's so nice and helpful and it's so, so collaborative. And we looked around the room. We're like, oh, it's all of us talking about the questions about R to each other on Stack Overflow when we're not at the meetup. Oh, that's so funny that both the R community and the Stack Overflow community at that time were so much smaller. Uh, yeah, that you would be yeah collaborating online and not even really be aware of each other. And then all of a sudden, boom, you're in the same room. Yeah. Um, a couple of names there. So Drew Conway, uh, he is an iconic data scientist, absolutely. And viewers will be happy to know that I recently booked him as a guest. So about a month from now, we're uh, recording his episode. So you can expect about a month after this episode airs, <laughs> that, to be, um, that to be live. And so we're very excited for that. Uh, and then you also mentioned Andrew Gelman. So I think many people in the stats world know who he is. He is perhaps the best known statistician on the planet. Um, he's a Columbia, Columbia University faculty member, and you were a statistician in his lab, right? Yes. I mean, I, I'll say I was in his lab, and maybe I quite was. I did research of him. If I get to call myself as being part of his lab, I'll take this as a great honor. Um, <laughs> and my research started off as data entry, then worked my way up to actually coding and building plots for him. So, And I learned actually a lot about the process of writing up your code to do an analysis from being in his lab because he needed something done. And I'm like, oh crap, I've got to figure this out. Andrew Gilman needs this. And I learned how to, a lot about how to code in R, but also just smart ways to do things, smart ways to plot things. It was really, really helpful. Yeah, he's a, a brilliant statistician. I've seen him speak at a number of events that you've run, Jared, and I've known his name for a really long time because my introduction to R was his book with Jennifer Hill on hierarchical multi-level um, uh, models. I can't remember the exact title right now. <laughs> it's, it's data analysis with regression and hierarchical slash multi-level models. Right. It's the a, slash it's a, it's is the key part. The slash <laughs> is important. It makes it easier to search for on Amazon. Right. Eliminating unnecessary distractions is one of the central principles of my lifestyle. As such, I only subscribe to a handful of email newsletters, those that provide a massive signal-to-noise ratio. One of the very few that meet my strict criterion is the Data Science Insider. If you weren't aware of it already, the Data Science Insider is a 100% free newsletter that the Super Data Science team creates and sends out every Friday. We pour over all of the news and identify the most important breakthroughs in the fields of data science, machine learning, and artificial intelligence. The top five, simply five news items. The top five items are handpicked, the items that we're confident will be most relevant to your personal and professional growth. Each of the five articles is summarized into a standardized, easy to read format, and then packed gently into a single email. 
This means that you don't have to go and read the whole article, you can read our summary and be up to speed on the latest and greatest data innovations in no time at all. That said, if any items do particularly tickle your fancy, then you can click through and read the full article. This is what I do. I skim the Data Science Insider newsletter every week. Those items that are relevant to me, I read the summary in full. And if that signals to me that I should be digging into the full original piece, for example, to pour over figures, equations, code, or experimental methodology, I click through and dig deep. So, if you'd like to get the best signal-to-noise ratio out there in data science, machine learning, and AI news, subscribe to the Data Science Insider, which is completely free and no strings attached, at superdatascience.com DSI. That's superdatascience.com DSI. And now, let's return to our amazing episode. Um, so the, yeah, that was my intro to R. I was a MATLAB person before that. And during my PhD, uh, a postdoc who I was working with said, this is the most amazing book at that time. It was brand new and I did learn an absolute ton from it. Um, so yeah, it's, a, it's amazing for me to see, to be able to kind of see him indirectly now through you. Uh, so speaking at your conference, actually, I mean, we should talk about that. So, uh, you run the R conference. It's yes. seventh iteration in New York mm -hmm. is coming up on September 9th and 10th, and it's going to be in person, but also yes. have a virtual component. So that's, that's exciting for every possible reason, because one, we get to have a conference in person again for the first time in a long yeah. time, two years. Very excited about that. But on top of that, anybody anywhere in the world who's listening to the podcast right now will be able to sign up and attend virtually yes. as well. Yes. And that... We've always wanted this meetup group to be accessible and the conference is an extension of the meetup and we want to be able to reach as many people as possible. So we are very excited that it's both in person because the conference is a lot of fun to be there. Uh, there's great food, there's music, there's great people, then allowing anyone in the world who can't get on a plane to New York for whatever reason, because of the pandemic, they don't want to travel, whatever, they can reach it from anywhere. And we're really excited for this big reach this year. Nice. Yeah, that is going to be great. And so last year, it was entirely virtual. Yes. And um, Andrew Gelman was the speaker right after me. And I constantly have these, like, I wake up in the middle of the night with this, like, nightmare because uh, I remember that talk. I made it too long, which I always do. I, you know, I never learn. I always make my talks too long. So I race to the end of, to, like, race through and get through the last final slides. And meanwhile, Andrew Gelman is waiting in the virtual wing watching me. And so now his only exposure to me is this, like, you know, me speaking at double the normal rate and frequency. <laughs> well, consider yourself um, lucky because the very first year, I purposely put someone right after Andrew Gilman so it'd be a good lead-in. Like you put friends right after Seinfeld, right? I thought this right. is going to be a great lead-in. But that poor Dan Chen, one of my students, I personally, I want to give him a good lead-in. He's like, you made me go right after Andrew Gilman. That's not fair. So now I put people in front of Andrew Gilman, at least I won't be in the room waiting for him watching you. Yeah, I mean, it is truly an honor. It, it's, and so it's amazing. So it's, again, another example of how the community that you have fostered in New York around first R and now open statistical programming in general, regardless of what language is being used for that. Um, yeah, it's it really, it's amazing what it's been able to do. Now, so this conference coming up September 9th and 10th, um, who do you have lined up for speakers? And you also, you have workshops, right, as well? Yes, we have workshops and a meetup the week before the conference. 
we like to jam pack a week or two full of events. And much like how the meetup is the open statistical programming meetup, the conference is R and friends. So anything involving open source computing, statistics, data, we have talks about. And we're really excited to get all this in there. We have a meetup and workshops on September 1st. And those workshops are taught by people like Max Kuhn, David Robinson, Lucy D'Agostino, wow. and we have Jeroen Janssens. We have so many people, Malcolm Barrett, teaching at these wow. workshops. So it's a really great way to learn a lot of stuff. And that's, again, part of the community. We're having these open source developers come and teach you how to use their tools. Nice. So that, Jared, is an amazing who's who of uh, workshop leaders. And you haven't even gotten to the speakers yet, right? Right. A lot of those people running the workshops are also speaking at the conference. But in addition to them, we have Andrew Gelman doing his usual double-length talk with no slides. We have mm -hmm. Asma Toomey. We have Max Kuhn, Caitlin Houdon. We have Wes McKinney. Again, it's R and Friends. Oh, Wes wow. McKinney can be there. It's for R yeah. and Friends. The creator of the Pandas Library. Exactly. And actually, beyond me, Wes and Dan Chen are the only two people who have spoken at all seven of the New York R conferences. And oh, Wes, wow. Yeah. And Wes is always a good sport about it. I made him autograph our books. I made him wear our t-shirts <laughs> and he's a great sport about it. And in fact, I always, one time he saw my notes and it just said troll Wes on it. That's all it said on my notes for it to introduce him. And he's like, I expect <laughs> you to know that by now. It's like, he, he's a really good sport and he, he's just a great guy to have there. Nice. Yeah. Very exciting. Amazing speakers. So anybody listening in the world can, can view a recording or can they even live stream? So Obviously, these meetups are perfect for people who live in the New York area. They can come in and join. But uh, like the R conference, is it possible for people to view speakers at your meetup from anywhere? Yes. So for the past over a year, we've been virtual and anyone could join at any time. And then afterwards, we post the videos up on YouTube. It's at the Lander Analytics YouTube page, and it can be accessed from nyhackr.org. And we have... 11 years of presentations up there and about seven years of videos of anything wow. we've had at the meetup. So anyone could attend any time. Then after the pandemic ends, we are planning, we're still putting all the recordings online and making them live when possible. Nice. All right. That's awesome, Jared. Really appreciate you making that available to everyone. So um, I think we've now covered uh, a lot of the kind of live events that people can participate in either in person or virtually that you run, you also have a book, R for Everyone. So this is a introduction, a hands-on introduction to R uh, from creating data structures, manipulating them, uh, creating visualizations, running statistical tests. Um, really a great book published by Addison Wesley. And I think you're on the second edition now, right? Uh, the second edition has been published, and I am working on the third edition. Oh, wow. Um, the tidyverse just changes so quickly. <laughs> That's part of the problem. Actually, one of my chapters about how to get data out of Google Sheets, I've had to rewrite it twice because of this. That means I wrote it the first time, then two more times because there have been so many changes. That's while right. I've been writing the third edition. <laughs> oh, I see. Yeah, I was like, it makes sense that you've rewritten it twice, given the couple editions, but you've rewritten it twice just for the third edition. Yes, that's three times now in this one edition I had to write this section. 
Nice. Well, I'm sure it will be worth it. Um, yeah, an iconic book in the space. I can highly recommend it to people who are getting started in R or that uh, want to be up to date on all of the various uh, packages, ways of, uh, as I said, visualizations, statistical programming, and so on. Um, are there any big kind of sections that I've missed? Yeah, so the book does start like at the beginning, how to install R. Because for some people, getting their environment set up is tough. But it go, it accelerates. And by the end, there's doing statistical modeling, time series, machine learning. There's how to build shiny apps in R Markdown. So it really takes oh, you. Wow. You can start anywhere. If you're intermediate, start somewhere in the middle and work your way up. It's the full gamut of just about anything you'd want to do in R. And in case people missed it, in episode 491 with Fehrle van Lempot, we covered how R can be deployed into production systems. So Jared talking about R Shiny, this is a way of creating production quality applications that have a data model running in the back end. And uh, that episode 491 goes into a lot of detail on various ways that you can productionize um, R code. And Virla makes the case that um, there's no reason why you would need to go to another programming language other than R to have um, production systems running. So everything from your model training to model deployment, even in production systems can be done in R. Um, I don't know if you have any thoughts that you'd like to add on that particular topic, Jared. Yeah, you know, through my company, we've put R into production at many organizations. And whether that means a Shiny app or a Plumber API where you can expose your work as a, as a curl rest point, or whether that means just R running as a service job on the machine. There are so many different ways you can put R into production. And this is a full, complete language that's hardened now. And you can do just about anything you want with it. So we don't just prototype an R, we deploy an R. Wow. All right. Well, you just made an amazing transition to what I wanted to cover as the next topic anyway, which is your company. So you run Lander Analytics, which you kind of just introduced. <laughs> um, so what other kinds of other than... Uh, or maybe, maybe not other than, but in addition to uh, deploying our apps for people, uh, what other kind of work do you do with your consultancy? Do you have any kind of big use cases that you'd like to share with the audience? Yeah. As much as I love R, the real thing here is the statistics knowledge, the machine learning knowledge, the data knowledge. And that's something that is incredibly valuable because at the end of the day, I have employees that could write this in multiple languages, right? right. I obviously prefer R, but we really want to be able to handle the statistics. And since we're a consulting company, we have a broad range of customers that we work with. We did a optimization routine for a metal manufacturer to see where they should fabricate the metal. And that didn't technically have statistics, oh, wow. that was convex optimization along with simulated annealing. We have a pharmaceutical company we helped them figure out variation in their manufacturing process using topological data analysis. We have another customer, we do a lot of spatial analysis and we really push the machines to their limits with some of the spatial analysis we do. And perhaps most notably, we did work with the Minnesota Vikings to help them figure out which players to draft in the entry draft. Very cool. The Minnesota Vikings, eh? Yeah. Um, oh, that is a, an incredible breadth of applications. So, uh, from manufacturers across metal to pharmaceuticals, uh, sports teams. Uh, it sounds like you guys could be 
uh, creating models and deploying them into production and basically in in the industry, which is, I think, one of the things that's most exciting about a data science career in general, and maybe being a consultant in particular, is that you get to work on such a wide variation of projects. Almost any business today generates and collects data. And if they aren't, a consulting firm could even be helping them get started with that. Absolutely. We can help a company figure out their data strategy, figure out what data they need to collect in order to improve their business somehow. And every industry has data uses somewhere in their pipeline. And it's so fascinating being a consulting company that we have to learn about this client's business. We need to help figure out what's going on, how we can improve with data. And so we go into a company that makes metal and we need to learn about metallurgy. We go to an insurance company and we need to learn about actuarial tables. And it's amazing all these different industries we get to touch and how cool it is. They all have this data. They're all doing interesting stuff. They just need to figure out how to make use of it. Amazing. And as it happens, if a listener is listening and they think that this sounds appealing, that working as a consultant at a statistical consulting firm like yours um, is maybe something that they would like to do, you have some open positions. Yes, we have a few roles. So it can really appeal to different types of people depending on the role. We always need data scientists. So we're looking for all those data scientists with different specialties, whether that's spatial analysis, whether that's visualization, machine learning. We're looking for a Linux sysadmin, someone who's really good at Bash and knowing how to work in Ubuntu or Red Hat. And we're looking for business development, someone who could help, help us help customers get the most out of their services. So a lot of roles that we're looking to fill here. And you can find more at LanderAnalytics.com. Nice. Very exciting. I hope that uh, you find some amazing people through that. I know that there are some amazing listeners out there. So when you are hiring, let's say the data scientists in particular, I think that that's probably going to be most likely of interest to an audience member on the show. So when you are hiring data scientists, what do you look for, both in terms of soft traits as well as particular technical skills? So you mentioned, you know, at a high level, you talked about you're looking for, it could be people could have specializations in data visualization um, or spatial analysis, but are there, yeah, are there particular hard skills and soft skills that you're looking for in general? So on the human side, they have to be able to communicate with the customer. We are right. a client facing business and we do have some people who work for me who they do work and other people present to the customers, but the more client facing the better. So that means verbal communication skills, written, just the ability to explain things to customer. Because remember a lot of people who hire us, they don't have training in statistics or math. Right? So being able to explain the concept to the customer in a way that clicks for them makes a big difference. So that's a very, very important skill to have. Uh, one of my uh, favorite stories with a customer is I was explaining the models I was fitting to the Minnesota Vikings staff. And there's a former linebacker who was very upset with me. He did not like what I was doing. It looked like he was going <laughs> to leap across the table and, and beat me up, right? which he could have easily, obviously. Right? But then I showed this one plot, a variable importance plot, and I saw on his face, it clicked and he went, oh, and he lit up. And then he came over to the meeting, shook my hand with a big smile, very excited to, to, to thank me. And it's all about communicating to different people different ways. Some people want to see an equation. Some people want a plot. Some people want it explained. So that skill is incredibly important 
and anyone who works at my company. Nice. So on the uh, job description, it says, must be able to communicate stats concepts to linebackers. <laughs> yes, that's important. That's good for every role we have now. Perfect. Um, so that's kind of the soft skills. What about hard skills? Is there anything that's general? I mean, does somebody need to be an expert in R specifically to be a data scientist at your forum? Or could, could they be an expert in another um, programming language? So we employ people who know multiple languages. Now, R is obviously first and foremost because of me, because that's my favorite language to use. <laughs> but we do have people who use Python. We have people who've written some Go. Obviously, SQL is very important. Even right, C++, we still use C++ quite often. And the real thing is, I need someone who's expert in a language and then maybe familiar with another language. But then importantly, good programming practices, using Git, defensive programming, being smart about the way you structure things, having a mind for both speed and reliability. Uh, so it's those things that are very important, regardless of the language. We need someone who can go and program their statistical thoughts in a robust way. Nicely said. Um, that sounds really great. So I don't know if you want to weigh into this topic or not, um, but a question that gets bounded around a lot that I see in conferences or on the internet is this R versus Python debate. And so do you have any thoughts on that? Um, I have a lot of opinions on that and I've expressed them on the show before, but I'd love to hear yours. Yeah. So you hear about this all the time and it always seems like there's like a big fight over it. But I find that fights usually one direction. I find that... <laughs> <laughs> I'm not picking a fight with him. He's picking a fight with me. <laughs> yeah, but I do often see people saying like, people will be shouting from the roof. You have to use Python. Nothing else is real. Then you have people saying... Yeah, I'm an R user. Use whatever you'd like. I don't care what you use, right? Uh, and that's sort of my take. The languages at this point are 95% converged. There's very little one language can do that the other one can't. Right. R used to be much stronger in statistics and machine learning than Python mostly caught up. Python used to be much better as a general purpose language, but R has mostly caught up. So now it comes down to the way you think. Python is designed for people who think like computer engineers. R is designed for people who think like mathematicians and statisticians. Right. So for me, a lot of it comes down to the way you want to use it. And I think it sums up in two big things. Starting counting at zero versus one. I've, <laughs> I've never yes. met a human who I started counting at zero in their day-to-day -day life. <laughs> but then also, even the way you call functions or methods, Python is object.method, R is function of object. And as a math person, I have f of x comma y. I don't right. have x dot f in math, and I'm a math person. So it really depends right. on how you want to think about your programming and how it relates to your math. That was a beautiful explanation. I'm actually really glad I asked because that was one of the best um, answers to the question that I've heard yet. So thank you very much. I'm not thank surprised you. that you had a great answer, Jared. Thank you. Um, so I asked my social media followings <laughs> on LinkedIn and Twitter if they had any questions for you. And I got a lot of reactions. So it was definitely a popular post. But for some reason, only one question actually came out of it. And this was from Colin Fay. So Colin Fay is in France. And I understand from you that he actually was a speaker in the past at the Open Statistical Programming Meetup. 
Um, yep. And so he is a data scientist and engineer at a company called ThinkR, which you might know more about than me. Yeah, it's actually a company not too dissimilar from mine. It's a data science consulting shop out of France. All right, so the, the main difference being the language they can speak. <laughs> <laughs> that might be the bad one. Consultants who can speak French. You might want yep. to go for ThinkR. Yep. Um, cool. Uh, so, well, he has a really serious question for you, Jared. And I'm sure this is what everyone who knows you has been dying to ask you and find out the answer to. So it's, what is your secret for staying so thin while eating so many pizza slices? Yes, pizza is a big part of my life. Um, you know, <laughs> one of the yeah, first at, reasons people good. Yeah, at the conferences or at your meetup, maybe even at the conferences too. But at the meetup, you always order pizza, and they always come from a different place. And you actually have a lot of uh, data going back many years on people's pizza preferences, right? Yes, every month at the meetup, when it's in person, we have pizza from a different place. Sometimes we'll do repeats, so it's longitudinal, and people rate each place <laughs> each time they do it. So we have the data being collected. It's actually at bit.ly bit.ly slash pizza poll. You can find uh, the data as it, people vote, it gets updated. That's amazing. Do you know offhand where the best pizza in New York is based on your polls? Uh, so best is very difficult to answer because it's such a, <laughs> such a subjective thing. Do you like Neapolitan? Do you like a classic New York slice? Do you want a square slice? So best is something that I don't weigh in on because that's too much to your personal taste. <laughs> Oh, man. I mean, quantitatively, we don't have some kind of metric that is higher for one pizza place over all the others in the data. It's funny. One of the first things people hear of me is my master's thesis from over a decade ago about pizza. And oh, I didn't know that. That is not the first yeah. thing I've heard. It's evidently the last thing. Oh, look at that. I, uh, things have changed. <laughs> and it got picked up by a famous food blog. So people heard about this. And at the time, oh. I was analyzing menu pages data. If you remember that website from back in the day, menu pages where you found menus from your favorite restaurants and they had ratings. And this is before Yelp was a big thing, before Google Maps had ratings, that's the ratings I could get. And so there I used a number of ratings as a proxy for the popularity of a place. And I found some interesting findings that old coal burning places like Lombardi's, Totono's, John's, those were the most popular. Now, speaking of causal inference, that could be because those are the historic places that the tourists take you to. Or it could be that they're right. the best. It could be the most, there's many different reasons. But that's a proxy we could use for the most popular. And as far as my pizza poll data, we could go through and find, we, it's a ranking of essentially one through five scale. So you could go there and count up the numbers of fives, numbers of fours. Then you got to figure out how you weight the distribution though. Mm. All right. Well, so I guess people can go to bit.ly slash pizza poll and look at the data and maybe draw some conclusions for themselves. Um, you can feel free to reach out to Jared or me by our social media profiles and let us know what you find. That would be really interesting. Um, so Jared, on that note, how can people stay up to date on what you're doing, on your thoughts? Um, are you active on social media? I am semi-active on Twitter. Um, I tweet mostly about statistics or data, sometimes about pizza. Uh, that's the majority of what makes up my life right about now. So I'm on Twitter. Um, I'm a member of other social media sites like LinkedIn, but I don't really post much. Probably the one of the best way to find about things I'm talking about is at jaredlander.com. I try to post. I need to post more often than I do, but I do post things up there. Like recently, I posted a three-part series about how to 
collect and analyze temperature data from all the different rooms in a house. I did another post actually a lot of people liked about how to calculate the cost of insurance plans, whether you should go for a lower plan or a higher plan. It was actually one of the more complicated mathematical analyses I've done, which speaks to how hard it is to figure out the insurance plans. I had to do a thorough analysis using simulations to figure this thing out. Wow, uh, interesting. That does sound like a good reason to visit your website. Um, brilliant. So final question for you is a book recommendation. I've had so many great books in my hands lately. Two really come to mind. Generalized additive models, because GAMs are almost magical types of models, and convex optimization. This book, Convex Optimization, is explained so well. The mathematical concepts in there are explained so nicely. And there's actually a whole suite of, of software to go with it. There's CVX, there's CVXR, CVXPy, and there's multiple languages you could use as convex optimization, which allows you to do anything they talk about in the book. Uh, so it's uh, those two books, Convex Optimization and Generalized Additive Models have been really great for me. Nice. That's really cool. Can you let us know in like 30 seconds what a, uh, what a GAM is? Why is it so special and so magical? A GAM allows you to fit a curvy linear model. It's essentially a flexible linear model, which comes up with a flexible, technically wiggly is a technical term. It's a wiggly curve that captures mm. the nuances in the data, but still gives you confidence intervals. So it gives you the power of a lot of these machine learning models like XGBoost, but with the interpretability of a linear model. Nice. That is a great explanation. I don't know enough about GAMS. It sounds like I need to be checking out this GAMS book. And convex optimization sounds cool too. All right, Jared, it's been awesome having you on the show. We got to learn a lot about various ways that we can be staying up to date on the latest in open statistical programming, especially R, through your meetup, through the R conference, through your book, R for Everyone. And yeah, if people are looking for either uh, help with stats, math projects, data projects, they know that they can come to you at Lander Analytics. And if they want to be solving those problems, they know that they can apply for positions on your website. So really an amazing episode covering uh, tons of different ways of staying up to date on the latest and greatest in the field, as well as some wonderful practical advice for us on uh, programming languages, uh, and the skills that are looked for in data science consultants. Really appreciate it, Jared. Thank you so much for being on the show. Thank you so much for having me. It's always great chatting with you. Man, Jared is an absolute linchpin of the data science community in New York, but also more broadly in the R community around the world. I greatly appreciate the work he's doing for these communities and really enjoyed hearing about how they evolved to where they are today. I'm personally grateful for how the communities he's fostered have facilitated my own professional growth and the breadth of the impact I can have with my lectures and the content I publish. It's hard to imagine where I'd be without Jared and all of the community that he's put together. In today's episode, Jared detailed the Open Statistical Programming Meetup, the New York R Conference, and his book, R for Everyone. He talked about the diversity of industries and applications of data science consulting work, in his case, across metallurgy, pharmaceutical manufacture, insurance, and Minnesota Vikings draft picks. He talked about how data science consultants need to be able to communicate stats effectively to clients with backgrounds of any ilk, including Minnesota Vikings linebackers. 
Um, they also need to be expert in at least one programming language like R, Python, Go, SQL, or C++, and then demonstrate solid professional best practices like software version control, defensive programming, and reliable code. And at the end, Jared highlighted that R or Python today are interchangeable for almost all use cases, but R may appeal more to you if you think like a statistician, while Python more so if you think like a software engineer. As always, you can get all the show notes, including the transcript for this episode, the video recording, any materials mentioned on the show, and the URLs for Jared's Twitter profile and website, as well as my own social media profiles at superdatascience.com slash 501. That's superdatascience.com slash 501. If you enjoyed this episode, I'd of course greatly appreciate it if you left a review on your favorite podcasting app or on the Super Data Science YouTube channel where we have the video version of this episode. To let me know your thoughts on this episode directly, please do feel welcome to add me on LinkedIn or Twitter and then tag me in a post about it. Your feedback is huge for deciding what topics we should be covering. All right. Thanks to Ivana, Jaime, Mario, and JP on the Super Data Science team for managing and producing another fun episode for us today. Keep on rocking it out there, folks, and I'm looking forward to enjoying another round of the Super Data Science podcast with you very soon.